Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador, Richie V, Mr. Call Screener, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And we are here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City, which I used to say was the greatest city in the world. And now, not so much. Honestly, my kids are like, hey, I want to go to the city. I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> not letting you go to the city because the city's become such a hotbed for everything. And honestly, that's kind of like what New York has become overall. Andrew Cuomo out. You heard all of it. I resign. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you haven't heard it, let me play a little bit of that for you right now. Listen to Andrew Cuomo saying that he's resigning effective immediately or two weeks from now. Check this out. New York tough means New York loving. And I love New York. And I love you. And everything I have ever done has been motivated by that love. And I would never want to be unhelpful in any way. And I think that given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. And therefore, that's what I'll do. Because I work for you. And doing the right thing is doing the right thing for you. Because as we say, it's not about me, it's about we. Kathy Hochul, my lieutenant governor, is smart and competent. This transition must be seamless. We have a lot going on. I'm very worried about the Delta variant, and so should you be. But she can come up to speed quickly and my resignation will be effective in 14 days. Now, if that weren't enough, Andrew Cuomo is out, but guess who might be in? Well, it might be a progressive leftist, and they're doing the same thing right now. CNN Chris Cuomo, he's out too. At least this Friday, there's a 9 p.m. time slot opening, and because of this embattled situation with anchor Chris Cuomo, well... He's going on this long planned vacation. Guess who his fill-in host is going to be? You know, when Mark Levin gets out of town and he goes on vacation or whatever, sometimes I get to fill in. Well, guess what? All out crazy. AOC, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, is going to be filling in for Chris Cuomo. Wow. Now, if you remember, for those of you that have been listening since 2019, back in the summer of 2019, I mentioned that AOC's game plan in the end here is to be a full-time activist maybe go to work for the UN, and to be in media full-time. She wants to be a professional talking head. The media loves her. 
She's in the wrong place. She shouldn't be in Congress. She should be on TV. CNN's a perfect place for her. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And according to Fox News, it says that CNN announced on Friday that it's going to be airing a one-hour special Monday on Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a.k.a. All Out Crazy, in the 9 p.m. time slot because of embattled Chris Cuomo, who reportedly is going on this long vacation amid the scandals plaguing him and his brother, uh, Democrat New York Governor Andrew Isenchalandi Cuomo. Now... The special is going to be entitled uh, Being AOC, and it's marking the launch of her Being series, where anchor Dana Bash is going to spend some time with different individuals uh, that affect policy and politics and whatnot and culture and give viewers the understanding of the human being side of the public persona. Well, congratulations to AOC for her time uh, in front of the camera at CNN, I think it's going to be a permanent thing for her. I also think it's going to be a permanent thing in New York for AOC types to go after the governorship. I think that Jumani Williams, he's the New York City public advocate. And there was a lot of questions around why he didn't run for mayor this time around when he's so well positioned to do so. And the rumors that are abounding right now is that he may be angling to become the next lieutenant governor who I guess will be appointed by the incoming governor, Kathy Hochul. And uh, I had some comments on Kathy Hochul. If you um, are tuned into Newsmax, you could check them out there. But what's interesting about all of this is that I was in AOC land last night in uh, the Queens section of her 14th congressional district. And the people that I met, the people that I talked to, lots of great patriots, everybody very supportive of Reagan and Trump and Republican policies, And it was interesting that so many of them were business owners, homeowners in that district. Remember, there's a huge golf, uh, excuse me, not golf, Trump golf course in her district. People really think that this is some sort of liberal bastion where everybody's part of the Democrat Socialists of America, but that's not necessarily true. There's lots of conservatives there. There's lots of middle of the road, just common sense, independent political thinkers there. So uh, to me, I'm just really... um, surprised at how she was able to succeed the way she did. And we've analyzed this before. We know that Joe, Joe Crowley, I think he's a you know former NYPD and he's Irish-American uh, in an area that was once very prom- predominantly Irish-American and has changed uh, considerably. But I don't think it's that change that has gotten her elected. It's true that there are more Hispanics and more African-Americans in the district uh, as of late, but they were voting for Crowley too. So to me... It's those same um, black, Puerto Rican, Dominican homeowners that have, you know, blue collar jobs, white collar jobs, wife's a lawyer, wife's a teacher, husband's a plumber, husband's a doctor, whatever it is. The people that are working and then living in that district, I think um, those people are not on board with AOC. But she has transplanted in a bunch of people into those transient areas, not only her, but her movement, because they are committed to this movement. When they have their sights set on a target, They say, you know what, District 14, New York, all right, let's get to work. In two years, that thing is ours. That's the type of organizing that we need on our side. We need, but that's the problem. When you preach about rugged individualism time and time again, that's our mantra, right? We don't believe in collectivism. We believe in individualism, the power of the individual. And I'm not going to change that, but it makes organizing that much harder. It gets people, getting people in a room that much harder, getting people on board that much harder. That's why talk radio has been so effective for decades, because it's been one place where people could tune in 
And I think conservative podcasts are really taking off as of late as well. And I'm ecstatic about that and on-demand television and all that because people live and lead very busy lives and they don't want to be bothered. But for that same reason, they tune into programs like this one just like you are to catch uh, you know, the latest and, and catch up to speed. But my bottom line with this is AOC is taking over for Cuomo. She's going to be the guest with Dana Bash and whatever in the 9 o'clock hour. And I think that an AOC type is going to try and take out Hochul and run for governor and has the potential to win. Now, of course, we've got a couple of very strong candidates out there. Uh, there's Rob Astorino, not the least of which. Uh, we also have Andrew Giuliani, who I think is formidable. And, of course, Lee Zeldin, who's leading the pack with fundraising for sure. And uh, I was at that Trump thing a couple of uh, nights ago with Lee Zeldin, with Andrew Giuliani, excuse me. And um, there's a lot of energy in the room. You know, uh, there's great, great vibe about winning. And it's great to see that because there's a lot of people that when I talk to people on the phone or whatnot, they're like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? They're so downtrodden. They feel like this is the end of the world. And I think, you know what? This can't be the end of the world. We're literally just going backward right now. It's not progressive. It's regressive. Right? I'm looking at this thing right here. Uh, WSB TV news report by Tom Jones. A school principal segregated students by race in an Atlanta school. I mean, this is just crazy, in my opinion. Absolutely crazy. But this is what's happening right now. We're in that world where all sorts of crazy is happening right in front of us. You've got stores one store after the next, I'm getting increasingly frustrated as I go for El Cafecito or if I go for whatever, anywhere I go, it's uh, it's becoming not so much the small mom and pop because it's a family enterprise and it's really family that's there. But any of the big stores, people just aren't there. Uh, my oldest kid, she works at a, a burger chain from California, and she tells me all the time they can't find people to work because most of them are making too much money staying home. So until they can uh, do their thing with unemployment... They're not coming in. And I'm not going to fault them with lazy and this and that. I'm not because I think anybody who's looking after their own bottom line would do the same thing. Now, the problem here, and not anybody, because I mean, she rejected it to work. She just felt like I needed to work. I don't want to sit here and get unemployment because she was off during the time that they, they shut down for COVID. But few and far between people like that. And the bottom line to me is this, again, is the government strong arming business owners placing their thumb on the scale because they know they can drown out the the labor force and force employers to put, to pay more. The problem is where are they going to get the money? And again, we've had this talk before, but it, I bring it up because I saw this article, Fox 5 New York, family dollar employees at a Nebraska store walk off the job and they cite low pay and long shifts as the reason. So this happened on Sunday. The store's assistant manager, Brianna Failer, and the store's only cashier left a farewell note on the front door of the store that read, we all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience. Failure told Fox Business that they were the only two working at the store as of Sunday. Everyone else, including the store's manager, had already quit. Failure said the problem started three or four months ago when the store lost all of its cashiers and all of its assistant managers due to alleged issues with the manager. Quote, the working conditions were so bad, it was never ending this cycle of trying to play catch up with absolutely everything. We had five employees maximum at all times. You can't run a whole store with five employees. And trying to hire new people was nearly impossible, she said. We couldn't keep any cashiers because 
they only made $10 an hour and it definitely wasn't worth the pay expecting them to do everything that they were going to do. They were only supposed to work up to 20 hours a week and they were working 35 to 40 hours a week. In one case, Fehler recalled that a recently hired employee was going to the bathroom and never coming back. <laughs> she said most new hires would leave in a matter of days. After Fehler's manager quit last week, she said she was leaving uh, 11-hour work shifts seven days a week. On top of that, Fehler, who's a mother of two, claimed that their air conditioning kept breaking down and the bathroom hadn't been working for a whole week, making her long shifts even more unbearable. After putting up a sign on Sunday, Fehler said that she felt relieved. It sounds like they like she was allowed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> the way they wrote that, that's funny. Anyway, she says, I had so much stress wondering if I was going to be the only one working that day, and now I feel relieved. It was terrible that all of this happened at the same time, but blah, 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 blah. She didn't have to do it anymore. And that's a real thing that's happening at a family dollar store. Now, apparently there's a statement that they put out saying, hey, we're back in action. I think the manager came back or they put in a new manager and they still have a skeleton crew of one or two people running an entire store. And that's just one example of something that's going on that we're going to see a lot more of until the government is reasonable in saying, look, we can provide unemployment insurance for those that were affected. Listen, I was affected. Lots of people are affected. And if you want to get unemployment, you should get unemployment. If you qualify for it, go for it. I think it. the issue is you should not use it as a replacement for actually working and seeking work. And that's why unemployment was historically, you know, 60% of what you were making or whatever the figure was, not 100% of what you were earning. Because while that would seem quote unquote fair and equitable and egalitarian, it creates this problem where there is no labor force and people might say, you know what, as long as you're going to pay me to stay home, I'm going to stay home. And that's not something that we could support, and it's not something that's sustainable in our society today, right? Anyway, straight ahead, we're going to talk about what's going on in the White House. Jen Pasirkelback, Pasaki, uh, she's saying that, uh, no, 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 we didn't do anything to undermine the vaccine. Meanwhile, we know that there was lots of things that they said. Plus, inflation, the infrastructure deal, gas prices through the roof, all of that and more. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, bienvenido. So 46 Republican senators just issued a stern warning to Democrats that they will not vote for an increase in the debt ceiling, a move that could raise the risk of the U.S. Treasury defaulting on its obligations as soon as next month. Wow. So that means the United States is facing bankruptcy, at least uh, in layman's terms. Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. But that's where we're at. But it doesn't inspire confidence when you hear the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, say that hopefully, quote unquote, the second piece of the infrastructure bill will happen as well. They're trying to do this budget reconciliation. Republicans are trying to beat it. There's multiple things going on at the same time. And Granholm was on with, uh, what's her name? Something Berman. 
the guy in the morning, I forget his name. Anyway, I want you to hear this audio about them going back and forth about how many billions and trillions of dollars it takes. This is completely asinine in my opinion, but it's real life. And this is actually happening with the adults in the room in Washington, D.C. Check this out. If it is such a big deal and we'll do all those things, why not ask Nancy Pelosi to have the House pass it, you know, this afternoon? Um, why, why wait on something else to happen to have this become law? Yeah, I mean, the president is committed to both pieces of his agenda. So this bipartisan infrastructure plan was one piece, and the second piece is going to be the follow-on uh, bill that was, uh, the budget resolution was passed late last night or early this morning. And the president is going to be pushing for both. Obviously, the, you know, Congress is going to figure out what the order and the sequence is, and the president respects that. Um, Nancy Pelosi certainly knows what she is doing. So it is a big deal. I think we're going to have support for uh, this in the House. It's the first step. It's got to be passed by the House. That is going to happen. And, and hopefully the second piece happens as well. You keep saying hopefully. I mean, is the bipartisan infrastructure deal a big enough deal on its own without the, the $3.5 trillion budget plan? It is a huge deal. There is no question about it. But the president has a build back better agenda, which includes both pieces, and he's going to be pushing for both pieces. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. The president wants to push both of these pieces of legislation because he's got to build back better, build back better. It almost sounds uh, very, um, what's the word they like to use? Trumpian. It sounds very Trumpian. But that's where they are. Even CNN is calling them out. And, and you know you're in bad shape when CNN calls you out, unless it's like a choreographed uh, call out. But that's what's going on. And these are big numbers. And, you know, honestly, in all of my years observing politics, as well as my years as a complete political neophyte, I've never cared about these budget negotiations because I always felt I was always on the losing end of the stick. And I think most Americans do, and that's why they don't care about foreign affairs. They're like, yeah, whatever. Everybody feels the same. But keep America first. And when you get the president that did it, some people chimed in and said, hey, I got his back. The rest of the people were like, oh, oh but now, now all of a sudden we care about everybody else. We want to look out for China, look out for this one, look out for that one. I, I just don't get it. But when it comes to spending money, they're equally guilty as charged, right? The Democrats and the Republicans, they have spending addictions. Everybody wants to have a department of everything. We don't need a federal department of education. We don't need to be that involved. Less government is better. And that's where we are. But now we're looking at begging OPEC to produce more oil, more barrels, putting more out there because, well, that's where we're at. Biden today uh, says gas prices are lower than they were earlier in the decade. Now, that's kind of obscure, right? But um, that's what he said. Listen to this. We're uh, taking action to address gas prices as well. Today, gas prices are lower than they were early in this decade, but they're still high enough to create a pinch on working families. One key thing about the infrastructure bill that just passed the Senate is there are no gas tax increases, no gas tax increases. I made that absolutely clear that I would not raise gas taxes. I'm glad everyone in the Senate seemed to agree with that. But that's not enough. Recently, we've seen the price that oil companies pay for a barrel of oil begin to fall. But the cost of gasoline is at the pump for more American people hasn't fallen. That's not what you'd expect in a competitive market. I want to make sure that nothing stands in the way of oil price declines leading to lower prices for consumers. So today, my director of the, economic, the National Economic Council 
has asked the chair of the Federal Trade Commission to use every available tool to monitor the U.S. gasoline market and address any illegal conduct that might be connect might be contributing to price increases of the pump while the cost of barrel oil is going down. We also made clear to OPEC, the major oil exporting nations of the world, that the production cuts made during the pandemic should be reversed as the global economic as the global economy recovers in order to lower prices for consumers. So, like, if you're on a diet, according to Joe El Baboso Biden, and you, let's, I don't know, let's say in, like, eighth grade, you weighed 165 pounds, I can say, well, you know what? Right now, I'm lighter than I have been in this decade. (laughs) That's great. That doesn't mean that you've really lost weight. I mean, that's incredibly misleading, but that's where he's at. And he talks about all this stuff. And, you know, recently we've seen the price of oil and how companies are paying for it and blah, blah, blah. And it just makes me think, you know, he, he tries to to talk his way out of things, but he's not really good at it, in my opinion. It doesn't convince me in the least. Joe El Baboso Biden is a fake, a phony, and a fraud. His son Hunter's making headlines again, which everybody will ignore because people just don't care. They're like, yeah, your son's a crackhead. We know that. We feel bad. He's an addict. We don't want to talk about it. We're going to look the other way. He can take all the money he wants from whatever foreign powers. Everybody's a crook anyway, and nobody gives a damn. And this is why I think issues like going after Hunter Biden are completely useless. They're wastes of time. Now, if you want to use an issue like Hunter Biden, then all you're really, it's a really a red meat issue for the base that's just going to want to hate and be on attack all the time against Hunter Biden. And we'll just use all of our time saying things like, yeah, just imagine if Don Jr. or Eric did that. Yeah, just imagine if they did. What's that going to do? How did we win here? We're not going to win. We saw what they did. They suspended the New York Post. They're not going to publish it. They don't do anything. That's a losing thing. You've got to get people in their pocketbooks. You've got to get people where it hurts them most. And obviously, what worked in New York, sexual abuse and getting softened up by killing Abuelita, right? Cuomo's deadly decision to mix COVID-positive patients with old people in nursing homes. That softened them up. And then the knockout punch was multiple sexual harassment claims. Half of them, which I'm probably going to go out on a limb and say, may not be very um, accurate. But I don't think you need more than one. I think you need... The state trooper, I think you need the one girl that, you know, was on TV. What was her name? Camusa? Camisa? Let me see. if we, Do we have that audio? Let's, let's play that one. He almost has this smirk that he thinks that he's untouchable. That was the tipping point. I broke down. You know, I said, he's lying. I felt like he was personally saying it to me. I never touched anyone inappropriately. Yes, you did. Yes, you have. And not only yes, but one of them is me. And that's when I, I broke down. I told my coworkers a little bit. And there were two people you told this to at the time? Yes. Why did you file that criminal complaint with the sheriff's office? Because it was the right thing to do. The governor needs to be held accountable. Being held accountable to you mm-hmm. means seeing the governor charged with a crime. What he did to me was a crime. He broke the law. I want to read to you what the governor said, quote, to touch a woman's breast, who I hardly know, in the mansion, with 10 staff around, with my family in the mansion, to say I don't care who sees us, I would have to lose my mind to do such a thing. Reading that is disgusting. It's simple. I know the truth. He knows the truth. I know what happened. And so does he. 
I believe that was the straw that broke the camel's back that got us to where Essential Andy made his confession and I retired or I'm resigning in 14 days, whatever it is, because of that testimony that you heard right there. That girl to me was incredibly credible. She seemed to not want to be involved, but then got involved because she was motivated by the others. Hashtag me too. And I think that's a legitimate and real thing. And I think at times it can be a pile on like we saw with Trump and others. So these things are difficult. You know, we saw it happen to Kavanaugh, but yet we see it happen with Biden. And again, nothing. So am I being a partisan saying, oh, I think Biden's guilty. I think that uh, Cuomo's guilty. And I think that when it's a Republican, no, no, they're never guilty. No, I'm not saying that at all. I am just saying that this is one of those things where you do have people that cry wolf. And I'm not saying any of these women did per se, but just my guesstimation, half of these things were likely misunderstandings. They weren't legitimately um, sexual harassment. I don't believe he was trying to sexually harass them. I do believe he might be a warm guy that kisses people on the cheek, that's a hugger, that's whatever. And he's an individual of power, so people go along with it. So by their definition, that may be sexual harassment. But by my definition, it's like, come on, really? I mean, really? When If he grabs a state trooper uh, you know, by the shoulder and says, hey, good job, what's going on, how are you? I don't think this is sexual harassment. Now, the female trooper, and he's putting his hand where it shouldn't be, yeah, go for it. Guilty as charged. But my point is I think they added a lot of fluff to this to uh, to try to make it bigger than it was. And if, you know, people were uncomfortable, that's one thing. And you can have a conversation and say, hey, look, I felt like that was wrong and uh, uh, made me uncomfortable. It doesn't mean every time you feel uncomfortable, it's somebody sexually harassing you. Right? Or am I wrong? I don't know. If I'm wrong, let me know. Uh, at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez with an S. Now, I want to get into this other thing. Over the weekend, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw this um, this piece on the Instagram stories of a black girl and she was a young lady and she was talking about Cuba. Very raw, very um, emotional, a, a really impassioned plea against BLM, against the propaganda that we're hearing in the media. And I thought, you know, as we get this push, because of Cuomo, it brought me back to the last segment where he was talking about, uh, you know, I'm quitting, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, whatever it was. But AOC coming in and an AOC type of liberal coming in to potentially take out this uh, Kathy Hochul in November. And it makes me think, thankfully, there's people like this woman that realized, you know what, I may have once supported BLM, but you have betrayed us completely. And she talks about being a jinetera is a sex worker, a prostitute. And it's a, it's a really troubling story, you know, especially if you have children in that age group. But listen to this. You want to talk? Let's talk. Black girl like me. And now I feel betrayed by the Black Lives Matters movement because you feel it's okay to defend the people that pushed me to do what I had to do. You want to hashtag Fidel Castro. Hashtag Viva la Revolución. Fuck the revolution. Patria, cambio y libertad. That's what we need. We are not yelling. The Cubans in the streets are not yelling we want food. We are not yelling we want medications. We are not yelling we want vaccines. You know what we're yelling? Libertad. Freedom. That's what we're yelling. And Black Lives Matter movement think so. Chico, so what's the difference? What makes us different? Just because we're Cuban? We're still black. Like I say, if I walk into a room and I shut my, with my mouth closed, you don't know what the fuck I am. Yep. I agree with her. You know, I once heard this guy, Kingface, uh, RIP to him, 
he once said, we find a bunch of dead people burnt up in a burning building and we can find their bodies. Are we going to be like, yo, was that the black guy? <laughs> was that the white guy? And he made a great point. I definitely didn't do it justice. He was more eloquent than I. But the same point nonetheless. Now, she goes on. I don't have a name for her, but I just thought it was so moving that she explains uh, her trials, her tribulations, what she had to do to help contribute to her family's income because $18 a month in Cuba just doesn't go that far. Our uh, end goal in my country being what we call jineteras. You know what's a jinetera? A prostitute. Sexual tourism. That's what we're good for. Because the Europeans, the Americans and the Canadians love going to Cuba and paying 50 bucks to have a young girl with a big booty that look like me, giving them some company. I'm going to tell you the truth because I live the truth because I was one of those jineteras in Cuba. I had to sell my ass to feed my family. Okay? Let's say how it is. I had to sell my ass to feed my family. You know how old I was? 16, 17. We want to talk? Let's talk. That is pedophilia. So yes, I put my myself and my body in the hands of pedophiles. You know why? Because I had to feed my family. Because I had to feed my family. Because we get paid 18 dollars, 18 US dollars a month. And in one night with a tourist, I made 30, 45 to 50. If it was generous, I would get 60, 70 dollars. So I would make more than working. And we just talked about making more than working and blah, blah, blah. This is why people stay home. This is why people go the wrong way when they get paid more to stay home or more than it, it's worth going to work. That's counterproductive, counterintuitive to anyone's bottom line. And it's what affects a market from being free when you put your thumb on the scale. Anyway, that's what happened, her experience in Cuba. But I want to talk about the uh, young lady that we talked about just the other day. She won the gold medal for wrestling, the first black woman to ever win that. She was super thrilled, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to uh, play a clip from an interview that she just did. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. we got a few more topics I want to cover. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? All right, America, welcome back. Welcome back, Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. And uh, we're going to talk about the cops. I want to talk about the police. There is a um, a video that was going out for woke police or woke cops curriculum for second graders. I'm going to play you the audio on that in a little bit because it's shocking about how they teach kids to fear the police and how they shouldn't feel comfortable around them. But first, I want to get into this clip from the Olympic gold medalist Tamra Mensah-Stock that uh, made some viral headlines the other day. And she says, I've traveled all over the world and I definitely wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And this is on the Fox News channel. Check this out. So I'm going to quote you, okay? Because we saw the video from Tokyo. You said, I'm so happy I get to represent the USA. And you, you were screaming it on camera. And it's like that reporter asked you a question from one angle and you took the question and looked into the camera to give 
your answer. I think he, 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 it's okay. He basically said, you know, how do you feel with that red, white, and blue flag around you? I, I think that's what he said. I, I mean, do you remember that moment? And what do you want to share with us about what came to mind when that happened? So it's funny that you asked me that question. That specific moment when he asked me that, I felt like I went into the tr- a trance and God just spoke through me. And I was like, all right, look directly at the camera and just go. And uh, I, I know that there's been a lot of negativity going on. And I just wanted to enlighten people of my feelings and just spread positivity. And shoot, it, it happened. <laughs> and I did not realize it was going to go viral. <laughs> you said that you freaking love America. Like, give us some reasons why. Uh, well, shoot, I was born here. Like, my dad's an immigrant. He came from Ghana. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where he met my mom. Uh, I, I grew up in Texas. Uh, it, like, it's, it's the only place that I know, and I've traveled all over the world. And uh, I definitely wouldn't want to live anywhere else. <laughs> I, I prefer here. Absolutely. Even though Japan is beautiful, here is better. Well, thank God for patriots from Texas like this young lady who is out there representing the red, white, and blue Team USA. That's really, to me, what it's really all about. It's got to be about America, especially if you're wearing a Team USA uniform. And I just wanted to put that out there just to brighten everybody's day because I think we have to support America. Too much America trashing going on. There really shouldn't be any, but everybody's uh, free to be an idiot if they want to be. Now, I want to talk about this police thing that I got... um, from Rich Cementa. It's on his Rumble channel if you want to check it out. And check out my Rumble channel too. You can go ahead and uh, subscribe to it. But they're talking about woke police and it's got this little storybook thing with a little chime and it just basically says, you know, uh, you should be comfortable with this. You should be comfortable with that. And as they're doing it, you can't really see it, but, you know, I want to play a minute of it so you can get the idea. And they're showing all of these different uh, LGBTQ individuals in the um, in the slideshow. And just says, you know, everybody should be able to do what they want. Everybody should feel comfortable. Everybody should feel safe. But do you feel safe around the police? Listen to this. Safe. By key. We all deserve to feel safe. We deserve to feel safe in our homes. We deserve to feel safe in our bodies. We deserve to feel safe in our schools. We deserve to feel safe outside. We deserve to feel safe everywhere. I feel safe when I'm with my dogs. I feel safe when I'm with my partner. I feel safe when I'm with my friends. I feel safe when people listen to my feelings. I feel safe when there are no police. And it's no one's job to tell me how I feel, but it's everyone's job to make sure that people who are being treated unfairly feel safe too. Well, I'm a conservative. I'm constantly treated unfairly. Can I feel safe? I would bet they would say no. Now, she said, I feel safe when I'm with my dog. And I just wanted to give a shout out to um, you guys, the listening audience, because I, I replayed the episode on Sunday. It came out on Monday. We're off by one day all week because of scheduling. So thank you for your patience with that. And I apologize if there's an inconvenience with that. But uh, we had the episode. It's one of my favorite episodes, one of my top five favorites of This Is America, where I did a show about a little bit about Cardi B, which is very funny in the beginning, but also about these girls on NPR that did an uh, experiment or a study on a dog. 
because they thought the dog might be a racist. And they took him all the way to Yale University. So if you haven't watched that, I mean, listen to that episode, please do. It's the one that's right before this one. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's from 2019, but it's definitely worth listening to. And um, last night, Wednesday night, excuse me, Tuesday night, Mark Levin was on with Sean Hannity, and he gave a great soliloquy, a great monologue on why we need to really rally and stick together. And in the the vein of this young lady, Mensa Stock, saying how she loves America and listening to these, you know, don't feel safe around the cops and all that stuff, I thought, you know what, these are inspiring words, and it's important to keep things in perspective that, you know what, we're we're tight in the Senate. We can take the Senate. We just have to focus on winning. And, and stop with this, oh, but the rhinos, oh, but we can't win elections. Oh, if you are a defeatist, then stay home. But if you want to change America, then get in the game. Listen to this. So let me tell you something else. You brought up the book. These various American Marxist movements, whether it's critical race theory, whether it is the degrowth movement dressed up as climate change, whether it's the lat-crit movement, the open borders, do you know in the next bill that comes forward, they want to give a pathway to citizenship to 13 million illegal aliens? You know what else nobody's talking about? Once they get citizenship, there's something called chain migration. And then we're going to have another round of amnesty with all the people Biden's bringing in right now. This is a colossal disaster. And let me say this. I can sit here and whine about it. We all can. We need to galvanize. We need to rally. We need to understand what's going on. Republicans who sell out, who don't get what's swirling around for a few bridges and tunnels need to go in every Republican primary. Write down those 19 Republicans, assuming some of them are going to run for re-election. But we have to have a new Tea Party movement, Reagan revolution, Trump revolution, Gingrich revolution. We need to rally. We need to galvanize. That's the point of the book, American Marxism. If we don't, at the grassroots, in our neighborhoods and communities, stand up for our own liberty and embrace some of these strategies and tactics in my book or that you may have, we're gone. They win with a 50-50 Senate, no mandate, with a four or five vote majority in the House, no mandate. They win. So we better wake the hell up. And that's right. We have the patriot movement afoot. It was the Tea Party movement. We were taxed enough already. Now it's time to take back America in a new way, right? To just bring it back to basics, to say, you know what? What once was, was okay, and we need to go back to it. All of this crazy, woke, be afraid of the cops, hate everything that's America, blah, 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 is for the birds. It's BS, it's Bolshevik, forget about it. You got to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph are for good people like you to do nothing. So don't do nothing, do something. You already know what to do. Keep rallying with your neighbors. Go to school board meetings. Become a school board member. Become the mayor. Become your senator. Become your assemblyman. Become a congressman. If you lose, try again. If none of that works, become a member of the media. Become a talk show host. Become a podcaster. Become a, a lawyer. Get involved in the government. Get a job in the government. These are the things that we have to do to dismantle the hundred years of work that the American Marxist or the communist movement has done to infiltrate so many of our institutions. We need to take them apart one by one. One, and it really is going to take every single hand on deck, just like in the World War II days, right, where everybody got on deck, Rosie the Riveter, women stopped uh, doing what they were doing at home and wherever they were doing what they were doing to get involved to help build munitions. We're there, but in a different way. Now, this is an intellectual war, and we need to win the hearts and minds of Americans so they realize 
It's us versus them. We the people versus them, the tyrant government. And I'm not calling for an overthrow of the government, but I am saying let's get patriots back in, back in office, back in the media, back in the classroom. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 